This is the Stop Time Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Hopkins, and I'm here to engage you in thought-provoking motivational conversations around practicing the art of living in the moment. I'm a certified life coach, and I'm excited to dig deep and offer insights into embracing who we are and where we are at. All right. So today I'm speaking with Keith Harrison, whose songs, compositions, arrangements, and productions have been heard on stage, screen, and television, and beyond. His extensive list of collaborators have included Ariana Grande, Kelly Clarkson, Janelle Monet, Babyface, Idina Menzel, and the list goes on. He is working on the upcoming feature films, The Prom and Cinderella, and is the creator, writer, and songwriter of the acclaimed new musical Emojiland, which was a New York Times critics pick and received, our, received the Outer Critics Circle, Lucille Lortel, and Drama Desk Award nominations. Hey, Keith, thanks so much for spending time with me today on Stop Time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so great to have you. If it's okay with you, I'm just going to jump right in. Yeah. Tell us about the moment on March 12th when you heard about Broadway shutting down. What was going on for you? I was actually in England working on um, Cinderella at the time. And, um, you know, it was already a, a difficult thing for me to be so far from the show that was happening in New York. Um, and then, you know, following as the rumblings of uh, COVID began and wondering what was real and what was not. And, and as that kind of progressed in a larger sense, its implications for all the various industry goings on became apparent. And, um, you know, it was just a question of uh, what's going to happen. You know, we, we ended our run uh, technically a week before we were uh, scheduled to close. So, um, you know, we weren't sure if there was going to be another extension or what the situation would have been otherwise. Um, but, uh, you know, I feel grateful and I, I think most of the company does that we were able to do most of our run. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, but, but very quickly the concerns became um, less about uh, the show happening and just the larger safety concerns of all the people involved and where are, where are people how do how do we get their you know getting their stuff out of the theater became like a, a small potatoes thing compared to the uh the swift takedown of the whole system you know no kidding so you said you were in you were in england yeah how was it received there that's so interesting to me um well um it was a very you know closed set so we um felt like we uh, were maybe a little less uh, at risk of exposure to a degree in the beginning because we'd just been around the same people. It, you know, the, the big shift happened with the travel ban and all the changes to flights going in and out of the country. So within, uh, you know, within a few days of finding out that this really was a big deal, uh, we, were, we were just sent back to uh, to where we came from to try and get into the U.S. before that became something we weren't going to be able to do. We didn't know how drastic those measures were going to be at the time. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I can imagine. You know, I have to say that I just didn't take it seriously very quickly. It's another, you know, sensational story that uh, is not going to be as serious as people all fear. And uh, I was of the mindset that um, it was going to be fine. And (laughs) that has not been the case. So I was very wrong. But I think that just came from um, me feeling like uh, uh, someone who figures out how to make the show go on no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. So the fact that the show's got shut down, the show didn't go on. And that shift, I think, was large for everyone in the industry, just, you know, particularly in live entertainment, but also in any situation where you need more than one person in a room at a time in order to do what we do, um, that, that, no, couldn't go on. And that was, that was the big shift was when we were told, no, we're shutting down production. Everyone's flying home. Everything's on pause. No, no, no. Right up until I got the call saying, hey, we booked you a flight. That's it. You're going, <laughs> you're going back to the States. Um, I really didn't believe that it was going to come to that. Yeah. Hey, talk to me. I'm really curious about, talk to me about the moment where you, where you landed back home in L.A., Getting home, walking in the door, um, after everything being cut short, you know, it was a mix of of confusion and relief. Because aside from the relief of just getting home safely during the immediate ordeal, I had been running myself ragged, you know, to the bone for months and months and months, and felt like a forced hiatus, which my body needed and my mind needed, and the adjustment to, you don't have a deadline tomorrow. You don't have to turn in tracks. You don't have to orchestrate that song. You don't have to do any of these things because nothing is happening right now. Everything is shut down. That really hit me in a way that I didn't know how much I needed, and so, as someone who has been fortunate enough to stay working um, in the recent past, uh, I really, uh, you know, appreciated the forced time off. Yeah. You said a mixture of relief, which makes perfect sense for all the reasons that you, that you just explained. Um, And you said confusion too. And I'm Mm -hmm. I'm curious about that. Um, Confusion for me, I think boils down to, um, not knowing where to direct my energy, um, because we, you know, in life have different, uh, projections of significance on the things that are important to us in our lives and the people and the things and the, the routines and the tasks and the industries and the, uh, just the, the stuff in life that we, um, occupy our time with while we're waiting to die to be morbid (laughs) and um and when faced with a total shift in what may or may not even exist as something onto which one can project such significance Mm. um you know it it just shifts uh at least for me it shifted my whole uh energy uh Mm. in terms of uh you know what's important? Why why have I been spending my energy on this, that, or the other? 
to take time to pause and reassess that that gap in between um, things stopping and then uh, finding the way to to assess the confusion. We just don't know what we should be focusing on, what's important, how to solve problems, what the real problems are, um, which I think, and I think that that moment of confusion, uh, however long it lasts, can be useful because then you really know that you need to find clarity that you may not have known you needed to find before. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm hearing that, you know, it, it provided a, a much needed perspective. Yeah. I'm curious, what, what gets you up in the morning? Uh, what gets me up in the morning is just the fact that I woke up to begin with, that I'm alive and there's so much uh, joy to be found in the world. <laughs> I'm someone who doesn't get bored easily mm -hmm. because there's something to be found in any moment that one can think about and consider, wow, this exists in the universe. How about that? This, I don't know. I just, I find, um, I find fascination in um, the mundanity often. So, um, so once that alarm goes off and I make the decision to stop snoozing, then, you know, the world's my oyster, so to speak, and whatever happens is going to happen. I love that. I love that. I mean, you kind of just described your definition of living in the moment, really, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. What other discoveries have you made about yourself that you might not have otherwise learned had this not happened? Yeah, the main discoveries for me have centered around um, how I deal with stress and how I deal with other people's stress, but also, like you said, more about perspective. Um, I am someone who can get so focused on um, minutia and whatever is attracting my fascination in that moment um, that I can just assign stakes to it that are so intense that I lose the larger perspective and forget to zoom out and um, and and really uh, you know take the breath required to recenter myself and just not freak out, not get so stressed out about things. Um, so having this extra time to take has given me um, the extra bandwidth to take those extra breaths and to not let my stress and anxiety and, and self-expectations get the best of me. Yeah. I'm curious, how much would you say, and I always am curious about this with ambitious, positive people, and, and I think it would be fair to say, you know, I don't want to project anything on you, but you strike me as someone that is, that is very, obviously very capable, very successful, very positive, and very open and willing to, you know, to find out what's next, right? Yeah. And, and so talk to me about, yeah, the limiting beliefs that, that affect you or don't affect you in, in what you do. That's a good question. You know, I think that for me, um, as I think a lot of us are influenced by the way we were brought up and our families and, and the energies that we were around uh, as kids um, and young adults, that my, my parents are very hard workers. 
and they take a lot of pride in the effort that they put into their jobs and their family and ambitious work ethic um, is, was a big part of my upbringing. And so that definitely plays a part in my current day-to-day lifestyle and mindset, undoubtedly. I think um, success for anyone is achieving uh, an internal sense of significance. And um, everyone projects um, that those senses of significance differently. So um, for me, the actual process of, um, of artistic creation brings me a great degree of um, significance because that's just how it's kind of always been for me um, and specifically the approval of those I love and respect um, and not just approval but the reaction then when I present that to an audience which you know growing up was my parents in the living room or uh, kids at school then their reaction aligning with my intention and where that came from for me ends up being that significance hit for me and I feel a sense of success. So um, that has been my internal driving force. For me, that's, that's this proof that, yeah, we're connected, we're human, we share those sensibilities. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm really getting a sense of your core value of connection, ultimately. The reason you do your art is because you you like to connect you like you there's value in that for you it's not it's not a resume credit it's a connection it's a it's a am i right you're nodding your head so yeah yes absolutely absolutely because you know uh, if if there was only one human on earth i feel like that human would probably be um, pretty lonely. Um, honestly, that person would just form connections with animals and they would get that connection where they can. Um, so yeah, connection, that's, that's very much where it's at for me. Yeah, no, that, that rings very, very clearly. I mean, it sounds like you've, you've been able to not only make, it, make a good living, but make a good living doing what you love to do which is, you know, obviously you're very, you know, um, fortunate to be able to do that. Um, I'm curious to know when you were growing up, if, the, if that distinction was made or if, if working hard was separate given, you know, given just sort of the environment that you were growing up in. Absolutely. Um, I feel very fortunate in that respect. I did, uh, I was made aware of that being a very fortunate um, uh, thing for me very early on. I remember I was in the fourth grade that I started playing the clarinet and I immediately got very into it. And I remember very clearly my, my mom coming to school um, and I was playing the clarinet in the band room and she was there with me and she said to me that if I can do what I love in life, then I won't work a day. Mm-hmm. And and I and and it hit me very clearly even at that age that I was having a lot of fun with what I was doing. And she was telling me that I could just keep doing that. And if I just kept doing that, then I'd be okay, kind of thing. Um, 
and that that I, and I've just kind of written that uh, ever since. So I I absolutely was made aware of it very young, and I'm fortunate that I had that kind of support. Well, and it sounds like you believed it. Yes, yes, I I tended to believe um, things my parents told me. <laughs> but I mean, what a what what a gift. No, they were so supportive and, um, you know, I really feel like there was a sense of um, wonder um, from my parents at my musical abilities from early on and that, um, you know, for better or for worse, and I, I tend to think for better um, really helped to encourage me along the way that they're genuine um they they loved when i played piano and you know sitting sitting in the in the living room and hearing a song on the radio when i'm you know six or seven years old and then plunking it out on the piano and then messing around with it and my dad being like now do it like a jazz song and then i try and play it like a jazz song. now do it like a rock song okay now i'm going to play it like a rock song and challenging me and seeing how far my talents would go in the moment and making it like a game for me in in those times and and them deriving joy from it and then and then my siblings as well um uh you know having fun in that way yeah, no, that's so, so beautiful. I mean, watching you, you just lit up when you talked about, you know, I had this, this, you painted this image of, of the family being lit up and, and every time your dad asked you to play it in a different way, you could, you know, I'm feeling again, that, that value of connection. I mean, yes, it was through the music, but him challenging you slash inspiring you you know, I don't get the sense and, you know, jump in if, if this isn't true, but I'm, I'm not getting the sense that you were doing it to say, yeah, I can do that. You were doing that because of what you received back when he was, I, I'm hearing joy. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And then I can't help but, you know, want to kind of, kind of point out that I noticed that stress comes up for you now a lot. You know, I, I hear you saying, stress stress is you know is something that comes up in your life and I'm, I'm i'm curious to know more about how that might you know threaten that beautiful belief and that beautiful alchemy that has that you've ridden on since you were a child right absolutely um there's no question that for me the uh stress that i feel is uh is an extension of projecting the microcosm of or the rather the formative example of using my talents to please my parents um projecting that onto my collaborators and um the the director the producer the choreographer the showrunner the actor whoever it is in the moment who i'm trying to um communicate artistically with and create something for um and a lot of my work um you know as a music director and arranger and orchestrator and um, now largely producer so i'm creating recorded music um for people who are paying me to do that you know i am projecting that same energy onto them i want them to have that same elation 
that my parents had when I was playing music as a child. And so when I, you know, when I don't get that or when I don't get that quickly enough, um, then I, uh, I, I get stressed out and why, why, and it's not good. And I have to, you know, and all those voices come into play and, and as aware of it as I may be, it doesn't change the fact that that's how my psychology functions. And, and, and my work is to adapt those functions. And, um, and I think that's a process that I'm at right now, like where I am, it's where, where I am in between uh, that and where I'm going. And I, 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 I feel like in life coaching, there's this idea of where we're at and where we wanna be. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and I think for me, that very much has to do with the um, projections that I still need to manage more efficiently, more productively for myself um, in that regard. Oh, 100%. So, so interesting. Now we're getting into it. This is <laughs> where I live. <laughs> First of all, yay you for the awareness around that. You're so articulate and so aware and so thoughtful about where it comes from. And, and I appreciate that. I appreciate you sharing that. You know, awareness is the first step towards being at choice of, of how you want to respond. When, when you know this is going on for you. What stands out for me is that, you know, in your words, this projection that you've taken forward with, from this experience with your parents is almost disguising itself as, um, as a value, but it's, it's really almost a fear-based value. Yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah. I completely agree. And I personally believe that all the conflict in our lives stems from fear. So I completely agree. I think that there's a fundamental fear of death that we all deal with, and not just death, but more specifically purpose. I think that there is a fundamental existential dread, as it's often called in literature, but it's simply that fear um, that we don't matter, that we will live and we will die, and then there's just and and everything else is um, you know is arbitrary or or um, uh, insignificant in some way. Um, and so I think managing that fear is um, is the hardest thing we have to do as humans. So you know we people talk about sitting in a theater together and that connection and. And all and and what it is to laugh together as an audience, to cry together as an audience, to applaud together, and and that connection, and then what the performers feel on stage, and all that, and that's all just a way for a lot of um, uh, organic matter to say, hey, hey, you matter to me right now, right? You matter to me right now. We're all we're all we care about the same thing. We're clapping for the same thing. We're laughing at the same thing. That thing, that joke, that moment, that expression, that is significant right now. And if that's significant, well, we could be significant. This all could matter. We could actually matter in the universe. How about that? That's, that's why the arts are so powerful. That's why stories are so powerful. Mm. That's why representation is so important because when you see a story that you can relate to, you go, well, that, I, that I'm feeling something, they're feeling something, we're all feeling something, that matters to them. And then it can matter to me because maybe it just matters. Maybe it really just matters. You know, your song for the animated feature, Ugly Dolls Unbreakable? Yeah. 
my listeners, by the way, if you haven't heard it, is, you know, was, was shortlisted for an Academy Award for Best Original Song. And if it's okay, Keith, I, I'd love to uh, read just a few lyrics from that. Sure. So the lyrics go, there's always going to be someone saying you're something less. Let them talk, you know your heart. There's always going to be some, someone calling you second best. Shut them down, don't fall apart. Don't you let them in your head. Doesn't matter what they said. Get up on your feet instead. So important, so empowering. Well, for, no, for, first I just want to say that, um, that the lyrics to that song um, were written by Glenn Slater. And, you know, in the collaboration uh, between us and, and the other songwriters, you know, that, that idea that I, that I really wanted to get across was um, the connection between the idea of being unbreakable and there's always going to be someone trying to knock you down, trying to, trying to get the best of you in that way. Um, because it's, because unfortunately it's true. And then, uh, oftentimes that may not even be the case. And yeah, there are our own gremlins, mm -hmm. um, that are, that are the ones saying that are the ones trying to knock us down. So whether that's an external force or an internal force, uh, uh, in terms of the source, um, yeah, it's going to happen. So it's interesting, you know, jumping into the inner, the gremlin, our own gremlins. So we can control them. They're part of us. So if we mm -hmm. were to look into, into Keith, what, what would you say is, is the voice of your gremlin? What, and, and, you know, we have more than one, right? But <laughs> most of well, I, 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 I definitely know I do. <laughs> at least I perceive them as multiple gremlins. Yeah, ab no, absolutely. And, and I'm curious, what stands out to you as a voice in your head? A gremlin, what, what's their script? What are they saying to you? Oh, um, a gremlin for me is, uh, oh, it sounds too musical theater. <laughs> um, right out of college. So I recorded this album and I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, but I had a bunch of songs that I had written and I was like, I'm like Billy Joel, man, like this is going to be awesome. <laughs> and it, I got one uh, reviewer on a blog um, to write about it. And the, the main thing they said was, it sounds like a musical. And I was like, this isn't a musical. If I wanted to write a musical, I would have written a musical. And it sticks with me because it was put into print that um that my uh my musical output was more musical theater i say with air quotes um than uh than than this particular writer wanted to hear and um and so throughout my career because my uh my my origins are very much in musical theater and that's where i i did most of my work that that undoubtedly it's a large influence in my work and yet uh as my career has progressed and i've worked in a variety of mediums oftentimes um that's not the goal mm. um so that is a very just to be specific that's a particular gremlin that comes up that even if that's not actually the note that i'm being given that um somewhere in my mind um you know uh, at times that'll come up for me and I'll be like, no, it's because it's too musical theater, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So 
Wow, we could really unpack that, um, but this is not a session. You know, I, I would ask if we were coaching, I'd say to you, what is it about, about that voice, you know, that's saying this is too musical theater? It, that, that's almost more, it's talking about your work, it's not talking about you. Gremlins tend to talk about us. Mm -hmm. And so it's sort of, it doesn't mean it's, it's, you didn't give me a good gremlin, you gave me a great one, because that's what came up for you. But I'm curious to know what you think the deeper message of the gremlin might be. Oh, that, that has to do with coolness. Oh, yeah, I'm not cool enough. Ah, cool. Yeah, no, that's quite crystallized in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting. Why is it important for you to be cool? Growing up in the age of the Backstreet Boys and um, and in sync, you know, uh, there's there's a there's a difference between um, between uh, you know uh, honestly it, it may even come down to and this is just gets into therapy for me but you know uh, who the who girls are attracted to and and them thinking that you know rock stars and pop stars are cool and attractive and um, and and that not uh, necessarily being uh, the case when it comes to uh, to to theater stars and Broadway, and it just wasn't my upbringing, uh, my main artistic outlets as a singer and actor and creator and arranger, all centered around musical theater music because that's um, in the educational system what was. Uh, taught and okay you know we weren't we were doing musicals every year we weren't doing um we weren't producing pop albums and so there is a there's a, a a disconnection for me um between the music that made one sociologically um uh, attractive and the music that allowed me to explore my um talents what makes keith unique oh I don't know how to answer that question. Uh, <laughs> what makes me unique is, um, I think, my combination of an, a, an acute ability to be instinctual and visceral with my um, myself, my body, my the the sounds I create and the energy that I can put out into the world and um you know Im improvising and creating very quickly and and absorbing those impulses very quickly and being very immediate and then also being very cerebral and analytical and um kind of the mash of those two things that i that i ha that i have going on it sounds to me like you you are aware of Really having a pretty sounds like pretty good balance of of you know head and heart. Sure, thanks. <laughs> okay, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, no, and it makes sense. I mean, it, it shows up in you know, you know, you're very well known for being a wizard in the technical aspects as well as the creative aspects of of what you do. Um, for sure. And and I'm curious to know how interested you would be um, in bringing your head and heart closer together. That's where I'm at right now, Lisa. That is absolutely um, my the work that I'm that I'm that I'm doing right now because um, 
I have perhaps compartmentalized them or um, maybe uh, have felt like those aspects of myself have been compartmentalized by other people um, in different situations and um, and not working to integrate them, but to get out of my own way and allow them to be as integrated as they probably naturally are more than I allow myself to believe. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. That's so, that's brilliant. That, that's what I was hearing. You know, that it's, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's really, really amazing. Oh my God. I could talk to you all day. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know, right? Um, so, on your website, you describe yourself as music maker, filmmaker, and good guy. Mm. Love that. Thanks. Would you would you add anything to that? Would you? What do you think when I when I read that? Um, I think. Um, oh, that's my old website. But you know what? It doesn't bother me. <laughs> I still. Um, I I try. I I I try to not be bad. To not to not to not hurt other people. What do you know will be true about you, no matter like no matter what happens. Um, no matter what happens, I keep thinking of something and then disproving it in my mind. So what I'll say is, <laughs> I will always be my own devil's advocate. Yeah, and you're demonstrating that right now. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's awesome all right i'm gonna i've never tried this with anyone i want to try it with you you strike me as a, a good guinea pig so i'm right. going to do uh just a rapid fire there's only seven words i'm going to say what makes you and then i'm just going to fill in the fill in the word you ready okay okay let's see what happens <laughs> now i'm see now i'm nervous it's fear based. Okay, i'm having fear-based reactions there are no, there are no right or wrong answers <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, here we go. This is the first round of what makes you. All right. What makes you sad? Death. Mad. Injustice. Frustrated. Unfairness. Interested. Life. Motivated. Beauty. Inspired. Challenge. Grateful. Love. Yeah, that was good. You did great. Oh, thanks. I passed. <laughs> Lisa, I'm projecting all of my need for approval on you right now. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, my God. Thank I... you. You're saying all the right things right now. Thank you. I'm okay. I'm okay. You're so fine. Oh, my gosh. Listen, um, just before we go, um, I like to ask all my guests, and this is something I do ask them all. Um, what are the top three things that happened to you so far today? Uh, this uh, interview, of course. Um, my cat, uh, on his own volition, came to snuggle in bed um, before we got out of bed. And doesn't always do that. And that was a nice um, little, uh, little bit of love to have it right in the morning. I made that broccoli stock juice, which I had not done before. And uh, I was like, last night I chopped broccoli for dinner and I was like, 
going to juice these stalks in the morning. That'll be great. It ended up being delicious. So I'm glad that I did that. Wonderful. And what one thing are you most looking forward to today? I've got one song that I need to do some big edits on in for Cinderella. And I'm, I'm going to do it. And I've been procrastinating. I'm going to get it done. And it's going to be uh, what I want it to be. Yeah. I can't wait to hear it because I know you're going to do it. <laughs> Keith, I so appreciate you taking the time to be in the moment with me today. Really, it's just been wonderful spending some time with you. Yeah. Same. My pleasure. Thank you for your insight and, uh, and your care. Oh, no, absolutely. I've been speaking today with Keith Harrison. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. And remember to live in the moment. In music, stop time is that beautiful moment where the band is suspended in rhythmic unison, supporting the soloist to express their individuality. In the moment, I encourage you to take that time and create your own rhythm. Until next time, I'm Lisa Hopkins. Thanks for listening.